everybody, and welcome back to the Consummate Athlete Podcast. I'm Molly Herford. I write all about fitness, nutrition, outdoor adventure, all that fun stuff. And currently, I'm pretty much entirely packed up into one bag this time for a pretty epic trip we have planned. I suppose if you don't have to count the other three bags you have, you definitely have one bag. I just want to say, compared to last year's excursion to the same places... Yeah, I guess that's true. I am Peter Glassford, and I am Molly's co-host here on The Consummate Athlete. I am a registered kinesiologist and an endurance coach, and on this podcast, we look at all sorts of different sports and movements. Uh, Often we do talk about cycling and different types of cycling, as that's sort of our background, but we try and look at other sports and movements, see what we can learn from people who, you know, coach that or, you know, are doing lots of different sports or experts in different sports. So yeah, we're, uh, how has your consummate athlete lifestyle been the last couple of weeks? Uh, well, yours was pretty good this week as you got to add wife carrying into the mix. That uh, is true. I had a pretty awesome, I mean, as listeners know, I had a really enjoyable crit experience racing in the New England crit week. Uh, things were going swimmingly. I had an awesome 4th of July back in the U.S. with my family. My dad came out and rode his bike next to me for an 18 mile run. So we had some really good chats. And that's something you guys used to do all the time. Yeah, when I lived back there, we would do that most weekends when I was training pretty heavily. Um, So yeah, that was super fun. Then, yeah, had a bit of uh, cramping issues over the weekend, but still managed to, I'm going to say, have a consummate athlete weekend on the grounds that I lugged a ton of stuff to the dump and scraped up a ton of stuff uh, as we're redoing some stuff in our condo. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's part of the reason, you know, a lot of us, most of us aren't, you know, high performance, you know, Olympians. Uh, So there are, there's disruptions for travel, you know, the kids are at swim tournaments, you know, we're injured, body's getting sore. Um, And I think that's, you know, certainly that's why I got into or, or, you know, sort of started down this path of movement and movement variety is, you know, it's fun. It lets you interact with different people, but it also helps you work around injuries and sort of keep your sanity. Right. Because a lot of us, I know I am pretty much addicted. If I don't get to move, then I start becoming somewhat grumpy. Yeah. Two days of not really getting to do a ton. By today, I was really happy that I was able to get back out and do a nice casual run and feel totally fine. So glad to be sort of back after a day and a half off and oh we had an amazing clinic on saturday morning yeah yeah we did a bunch of women i guess but they were six of them and yeah through mountain bike skills clinic so that went quite well which is good it's sort of a warm-up we have a a bigger one in saskatchewan this weekend so it's a bit of a warm-up for for that one which is remote and with people we don't know as well so i'm sure it will go swimmingly as you say shout outs to the ladies who were at our saturday clinic and shout outs to the people listening from saskatchewan that we're gonna meet in a few days that's true uh, speaking of this we're you know getting into like 10 hours before we start our crazy drive out to saskatchewan and then from there out to canmore for nationals so if our times for posting are a little crazy in the next couple weeks it's because we have a couple crazy weeks planned I don't think we'll be that disruptive, will we? I think we'll be pretty good, but just want to yeah. set the set the precedent or set the expectation. I think that's like self-handicapping. That's exactly. like saying, like, oh, I haven't been training at all, and then just Darn take right. the whole shot right from the gun. It's my usual strategy, yes. Awesome. Um, yeah, so today's guest is actually a second-time guest. We have 
climber Leslie Timms. She was one of our first guests and has the uh, title of being the only guest that's been on twice where we've gotten to do the interviews both in person. That's true, yeah, because Ryan Leach we did in person, but not the second time. Yeah. yeah, yeah, Leslie's awesome. She lives up here in Collingwood when she is home. We're, we're we live on very similar patterns to her, and yeah, they go climbing most of the winter, but they run a, a climbing business which is called On the Rocks here in Collingwood, Ontario, and so they take people climbing. So if you did want to try climbing outdoors. Uh, her business we've used it paid and went and we had a great day one year for molly's birthday and they take you and they show you how to do you can ask questions the whole time like to point out that my mother said that was not the rock that you were supposed to get me for that birthday just she might still be a little bitter i suppose yes (laughs) um yeah so today we have leslie on sort of an update because she is a super interesting person quite talented rock climber um and we do talk a bit about training and some of the new things she's into a lot about how to go from the gym to the rocks but that's it leslie's working right now on sort of a new initiative an called... initiative is the word i was looking yeah. for and what's it called rock respect rock respect and so there's a lot of folks you know the olympics are coming up where and they've added rock climbing to the olympics so that and just you know more and more people getting outdoors and everything else Uh, are going from the gym like a rock climbing gym and indoor climbing sort of scenario where you don't have a lot of the survival skill or the danger you know it's pretty safe there's pads all over the floor uh to an outdoor environment right and that transition can be tough because there are all these other factors right it's sort of like going from a spin class to mountain biking out in the wilderness right you're obviously you're exposed there's rocks that you know things aren't consistent there isn't a person at the front desk to call the ambulance for you um, and there's a lot of just thing etiquette and they're into sort of just not littering and not making new trails. So there's a whole bunch of stuff. So she's got a downloadable on the rockrespect.ca website. They have a downloadable posters and all sorts of things you can put up if you have a climbing gym, uh, or if you're just interested in having one for yourself. Yep. She's doing more talks at gyms around and a couple of festivals coming up. We talk about that and you can find all of that stuff on the Rock Respect site as well. Yeah. And they're all over the place. That's There's some around here in Collingwood, uh, just north of here. And then also there's some out west that she's doing as well. And then she's a partner in the this as well. So I think and I think they're doing some in Toronto and, and around different areas. So. Yeah. Even if you're not into climbing, this is a super cool episode just to kind of hear how someone, you know, handles a professional athlete career kind of combined with this really cool really full schedule of professional life and then now she's adding in even more stuff so how she kind of balances all of those together and how to sort of deal with some curveballs in business and all that yeah and i think the one training thing we talk about it more in the last episode with leslie but the the concept of grip strength comes up a lot um and a lot of people i work with have some sort of you know flexion based or just i i would categorize it often as just they don't have strength in their hands um, so you know, they're getting overuse from typing and holding their phone and then holding their handlebar on their bicycle or holding onto a rock um, but we talk and again today she's got a, a new sort of fingerboard is what it's called so a bit like a board you're going to hang off of um, a new thing that she's had good success with um, and then do we talk about pilates today i think we did yeah yeah so she's really into pilates right now and finding really good success with that so might be worth trying even that so I, I think it's worth a listen as molly says as always all right let's dive in enjoy so what did you guys do for the winter so day? i actually tore my calf muscle like crazy um right before we left on our trip 
Right. So I was kind of out of commission. We rented an apartment in Mesquite, Nevada. Oh my God. So one of you, months. one of you recovers, and yep. then the other one gets oh, injured. We're seriously, in that pattern, <laughs> it's ridiculous. So Kyle had a great trip, but because <laughs> he had a bicep, was that and what then he his had? healed, and then I tore my calf muscle. I think we had like two weeks that we climbed together, like injury free. Um, but yeah, I was out of commission for three months. How did you do it. your calf? It was like uh, I was jumping down, or... climbing off a formation actually, and I slipped and and just landed weird and. I, and I felt it just go like, and then I still had to get off. Yeah. So I was like halfway. And so I just like ruined it because I still had to down climb another 20 feet. So the whole way was like, ah, ah, the whole way down. Yeah. And then I ended up coming back too early. Mm-hmm. So I like rested for like four weeks and then I went and trained with Sarah and just went a little too crazy and then went and climbed and then went a little too crazy and then retore it way worse than it was. So then that was another two and a half months uh, after that. So it was pretty much complete right off climbing wise. And we rented our house, so we couldn't come home. Oh, right. So, <laughs> which isn't the worst thing, honestly, for me. But come on, that would have been so depressing. Yeah, like, exactly. The Just sitting there with my foot up. Right. <laughs> like, uh, can't even ski, can't snowshoe. Exactly. Yeah, that yeah. would have been a bummer. But mm. it was kind of good for rest wise, because I couldn't do anything. So... It was like, I just chilled. Yeah, like, what do you do in Nevada? Like, did you go to gambling or something? Kyle did. Yeah, yeah. he played a shit ton of poker. <laughs> <laughs> he paid for a whole trip. What? Yeah. Oh, so he's good at poker. Yeah, oh, okay. he's really, well, that's good to know. really good at we poker. We should probably have him on for, like, a poker. Well, oh, or, or start having a poker shark. league. Some sort of game where I can be his teammate and we yeah, can win. Yeah, yeah. That would be good. He plays poker every Wednesday if you do really? play poker. Really? Okay, yeah, no, I'll have to learn, but I'll, I'll, learn, I'll, learn, I'll learn quickly. <laughs> Or that's my story. Maybe that's my bluff. Yeah, new. Yeah, Leslie was telling me this little league you guys have. Exactly. Sounds fun. You don't need to be good. Actually. I have they ten thousand dollars. They're like, come on out. Come on. <laughs> but that's actually how I started Rock Respect. Was because I tore my calf muscle. I couldn't do anything all winter. I got bored as hell. Yeah. And I was like, and somebody sent me an email. Um, two people actually, kind of within the same time, and they're like you know, you're a guide. We think there's this huge issue right now with climbers and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, sat and stewed on it for a couple of days. And then all of a sudden it was just like, I became possessed and I was just like, rock respect, rockrespect.ca, respect the environment. It like came to me like that. And I was like, <laughs> like crazy for like two weeks. I was like, <laughs> like this lady possessed. And yeah. That's so, how so I have a side hobby. I love owning domain names, especially other, especially other people's domain names. So was that the first thing you did? Like, did you get this name yes. and then you bought first the domain? Yes, first thing was check to see if the domain was available. Yeah. I keep thinking it's going to become irrelevant, domain names, right? Because, like, you could Google Rock Respect and it basically pops up, yeah. right? Um, for most sites, for most things. But it still seems like you need a domain name. It still seems, And they keep making new ones. I thought I owned... What was it that I thought I got? They, they released dot bike domains. Oh, yeah, and I was like, like, mountain dot bike, mountain dot bike. <laughs> and I was like having a panic attack. Like, I don't think I've been that excited for like anything. So That's we funny. had like all these ones like road dot bike and like all the obvious dot bikes. Right. And I figured I'd get like magazines and this is borderline illegal and gray area illegal. Um, and I've got- So instead of dot com, yeah. you get dot bike. Yeah. And so we have like the local club here is um, cork dot bike which doesn't really make sense, but the name of the club is Cork, and then we just use a dot bike. Right. It is sort of confusing for people because they only understand dot com, basically, right? Yeah, yeah it's true. Here. The people yeah. do get it, but like they're if they're trying to remember the website, a lot of times people will try, and that's always the downfall of not using dot com, right? Mm-hmm. And you're right, in Canada, we're pretty used to it, but that's an aside anyhow. <laughs> 
Um, so, Rock Respect, it seemed like there was a couple goals with that, though. So there's the Climber's Code of Conduct, which mm -hmm. seemed like it had four elements. Yeah. Uh, so do you want to run us through sort of that code of respect, then? Yeah. So respect the dangers, respect the environment, respect others, and respect access. Okay. And I know with mountain biking, like, Imba has, for many years, sort of tried to do that, like, leave no trace. And, like, if you are coming upon someone on the trail, like, who has the right of way mm -hmm. and other yeah. users who has, like, the right of way with horses. And because we have the same horse riders, equestrian get upset, hikers get upset, and then you have trail access. So is that what essentially you guys are running into? Like, hikers? Very similar stuff. Environmentalists, you know? Yep. So others. Yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, other user groups, for sure. Um, other climbers. So there's definitely like a code of ethics, you could say, within the climbing community that, you know, unless you've been in it, you don't really know it, right? And it's kind of one of those things that nobody talks about, but mm -hmm. we all know what you're supposed to behave like. So I would say that that definitely comes into play, like not pissing off other climbers with regards to like right away and, and that kind of thing. Surfing has that a lot too, Yeah, right? surfing, very similar. Yeah, exactly. I got yelled at once surfing. <laughs> That's my way, man. I'm like, I don't know. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, but I feel like surfing and skateboarding's like this too. We had a skateboarding a guy who has a really cool business down in this New York who has like uh more oriented for kids, like camps and stuff for skateboarding, but he does like adult like learn to skateboard things as well. Um and I was saying that like cuz a skate park is similar to I feel like the ocean's even crazier, but like in a skate park it just seems like chaos, right? But there's like unwritten code, like you feel the flow, man, and mm -hmm. like but they, it's always like nebulous if you aren't able to feel the flow totally. right there's got to be some rules but i feel with climbing especially top rope there must be it must be a little bit more evident it's more straightforward the line is the line yeah. sort of right it's more straightforward you know like if if somebody's dropping a top rope on a route but there's a guy that's about to lead up the climb right like leader rights yeah. you know that kind of thing and i wouldn't say that's like the main focus no. of rock respect like you know that kind of stuff um but definitely there's it's things we mentioned for sure. Yeah. Just kind of getting people on board with the etiquette at the cliff. Um, and I, on your Instagram, I've actually been enjoying the couple posts that I've seen. Um, things just like keeping your ropes in good shape. And um, I'm trying to think of the other ones. Like there was ones about like improper uh, bolts. Is that the name for it? Yeah. Yep. Um, and just how to know that, mm -hmm. you know, when it's, so I feel like that's, that's an interesting side to this because it's not just, you know, don't make, equestrians upset or don't leave your garbage in the forest it's also like you could fall to your death type stuff right totally. and so it seems like i guess that's respect the the, the dangers of yeah. climbing right yeah exactly because i think what's happened right now is climbing's made this huge boom so with climbing going in the 2020 olympics there's like climbers flooding to the climbing gyms right now there's climbing gyms popping up everywhere and a lot of these people, um, and it's not that it's a bad thing, but, you know, they've grown up in the city and they don't have a relationship with the outdoors. And then they learn to climb in a gym and um, there's just kind of this uh, lack of regard for the danger, I'd say, outdoors. Because the in inside creates this very, like, safe atmosphere. You know, you've got pads everywhere and, like, um, even the ropes are tensioned to at the top to make sure they don't stretch as much. Like... So then all of a sudden you go outside and you fall and you realize your rope stretches like 30%, you know, yeah. it's like, um, so there's lots of things that people don't realize when they climb in the gym coming outdoors, um, the different considerations. So you can really see that now that people are just like, oh, screw it. Let's go climbing outside. You know, oh, that guy in the gym climbs really hard. He knows what he's doing, you know, and 
then all of a sudden these people are outside and, and for a climber that knows what they're doing, they're looking over there like, I think I should leave because there's going to be an accident that's going to happen <laughs> in like two seconds. So yeah, that's why the respect the danger has been a big focus of ours, especially in the social media. Cause, um, I find it's like a big part of the, the new generation, um, they all are on social media, right? So that's our way of kind of getting out to them. Cause you have to, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and so in line with that, you have one more part of the, the rock respect thing is the, the gym to rock. Mm-hmm. Um, so as far as that, like, is that I, when I first saw it, I thought it was like, all right, training programs to get this. But a lot of this is, is built around this respect, sort of the code of ethics yeah. for when you're going out, right? Like totally. you, you may have the skill of going up something but then it's all the other aspects right yeah exactly so um just kind of educating people on how do you transition outside right because it's not really the gym's responsibility to teach people how to you know make that transition outdoors but at the same time they are planting the seed into people to rock climb so that's why we thought it was like a natural relationship the whole like getting the code of ethics into the gyms um, having the gyms promote rock respect, um, and then also getting the gyms to run gym to rock programming, um, providing easy access, free information for people right. for transitioning. From and you guys have, I'll link to it, but there's a PDF as well that yeah. has the code. So then a gym or whoever could post this. Yeah. So right. we actually printed posters for all the gyms in Canada and we've shipped them out. Oh, so wow. they're, I think we've got them in like 50 or 60% of the gyms already across Canada. Okay. So. Awesome. Um, so can we talk about some of the, the ways to go from gym to rock? Because that's that's always been my kind of problematic thing. Totally. Turns out rocks outside are not color coded. Yes. <laughs> it's very true. That is definitely one of the first things people notice when they go outside <laughs> is that, oh, things aren't taped and marked. And, yeah. Um, you know, you need a guidebook to get around to even find the client you're looking for. Um my recommendation with anybody uh, when making the transition to Gym to Rock, and I know that it, this is the difficult part now, is nobody wants to pay for a course. You know, it's, it's expensive. But my answer to that is how much is your life worth? And I know as a climbing guide, it's kind of like, oh, she just wants people to like... Honestly, I, like Gym to Rock, this rock respect thing is probably like the worst thing for my business because I'm going to be giving away free how to transition <laughs> outdoors, don't kill yourself tips. Um, really, I just want people, I want to encourage people to join up with some friends, take a course with a guide, learn as much as you can in a day. If you can't afford to do that, um, finding somebody at the gym who's got, you know, oh, I've been climbing for 15 years, like, go talk to that guy, get him to take you outside, you know, um, find a mentor, find a guide. That's like how you should transition outdoors. There's, it's not something you just buy the gear at Mech and go for it. You know, watch a YouTube video. That's not, that's not the safe way to do it. Right. Yeah, and we took, we did not take uh, one of the climbing courses, but we went out for a day with one of your guides, and it was really, really good, for sure, and at least gave us the initial sort of exposure, and it really wasn't in the grand scheme of things. There's a lot of things, like, to go downhill mountain biking or whatever people do, like laser tag or something, like, (laughs) all these things, like, for a group, it's really not that expensive, No, no, it's not. For that, like, half-day sort of, like, exposure to outside climbing, right? Well, and and that's the thing, I think... I think people see the number and they're like, whoa, but you have to remember, like, for example, if you want to learn how to set up top ropes, you could do that in a one day course, you know, like, so that's one day of your time, you know, a couple hundred bucks Mm -hmm. and boom, you now safely can set up top ropes outside. Like really is that a huge investment to you, you know? No, Um, it's so funny. And I, I struggle with this with mountain biking, like because people won't drown like instantly, like it's so odd, like tennis, golf, 
and swimming, I feel like it's obvious. You take lessons, everyone's, you know, having a coach makes so much sense, but cycling, apparently, it's not as common. Um, Climbing can kill you really easily, yeah, well, too. I feel, <laughs> I feel like, yeah, both sports are quite dangerous. Yeah, like, people sure. get hurt. Um, even people who know what they're doing get hurt, yep, right? And, definitely complacency but, kills. But yeah, there's certainly some like basic rules of thumb and like procedures that make it much safer, right? Yeah. And yeah. more enjoyable. And there's rules of thumb, and like when you develop these good habits early in your climbing career, you will enjoy a long, safe, happy climbing career. Um, but if you miss those steps, you're really just like a ticking time bomb, right? Because I can, I was that person. I was the guy that. The person that just went and learned from some dude that like was like, hey, you want to learn how to track climb? Okay, you just stick this and put it in the wall and go for it, you know? And I was like, ah. And then after that, like I just had countless near misses happen um, where I was like, how am I still alive? And that's actually what made me want to become a guide because I was kind of like, wow, I want to encourage people to take a course because I somehow got out of it alive, but I don't think everybody else would be so lucky. Right. Um, so then what is, what is involved like, as far as we, we talked a bit about this the first time you're on which is episode 10 i think and we can link to that when leslie was on last time um but in terms of like if someone wanted to get like i don't know if certified is the right word but like so i know how to basically climb somewhat but if i wanted to do more like what would be the first step i guess to like, come outside would, yeah like is there like a one day level one course or like how's it divided up or yeah so there's a couple ways you can do it at least with the way my business is, is structured um, it's kind of like, first thing is, what's your goal? Do you want to top rope outdoors or do you want to lead climb outdoors? Um, once you've decided those two things, I think they're both imperative skills to learn, but you, if your money's an issue, you can pick one to start, right? Yeah, wait, uh, layman terms, whatever. Oh, yeah. so and we do roping, go in the first episode, but yeah, just yeah, for top briefly. Roping, rope is above you the whole time. So if you fall, the rope is always there. You and so generally like you would it. walk up to the top basically, exactly. or someone I guess would have laid that rope before. Yeah, so there'd be like bolts in the wall or trees or boulders or something or uh, gear that you actually bring and put in cracks. Um, and you'd set up an anchor at the top, top, top. And then the rope would go through that. So then that's top anchor, top roping. Um, so to learn how to set that up, you could do that in a one day course. Some, some companies might be a two day course, um, but you're looking at one to two days and you can go top roping outside on your own. Um, sport leading, um, you can actually learn that in the gym. Uh, but I would actually recommend folks to actually take that course outdoors because then, um, they don't actually teach you certain skills in the gym that you need for outside. So we do, I see a lot of climbers that learn inside and then come outdoors and they're like, how do I get my gear back? And you're like, I'm out here. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, and again, that's a one day course too. Right. And so, that's, so essentially you're like clipping to bolts that are already in the wall usually yeah. and lead climbing is when you're actually bringing the rope up with you right so the rope wouldn't be at the top you're going to bring it up and then clip into bolts on the way and then if you fall you're going to take a little bit of a free fall until that last bolt catches you so right. um yeah so those are kind of the two styles you'd start with um you could even start with an intro course like what you did to mm -hmm. kind of get the whole picture uh, but I find that a lot of gym climbers, they usually have a goal. Like they either feel comfortable top roping or they want to make that leap into lead climbing. And if you take a lead course outdoors, then you can totally, you're prepared to go and pass your test inside. So it's kind of one of those things that you could save some money actually by doing it in outdoors first. Right. And so there's a test you can go and take? Yeah. So if you go into the gym, you have to pass your lead test to be able to lead climb. Okay. So to do that, you have to like fall properly, catch properly, and okay. clip properly on the way up. Okay, and then it seems like, especially for 
um, for lead climbing, you if you were in a new area or you didn't know, then you would want to assess those bolts. Totally. So is that like a jiggle test or like how do you know that that's... Because it's essentially, I always think like it's like a drywall anchor or something, right? Like it's an expanding bolt that someone's yep. put into a drilled hole in the rock. Yep. Or into a crack in the rock too, right? Or is that... Usually a, just like drilled into the rock. Yeah, the cracks is where... You, that's trad climbing where you actually place your gear into the cracks. Oh, okay. And I would... that Some people do start that way. I, that's more of an old school kind of thing. Nowadays, it's seen as more of like an advanced form of climbing because you do already, you have to learn anchor building and you have to learn lead climbing to be able to do trad climbing. Like it's kind of like a build up to trad. Right. right. Um, but yeah, to inspect the bolts, um, the only true test to really know the strength, it would be to like actually do like a pull test on them with like a machine. Mm. Um, so it's really impossible to like know, is the bolt safe? But there's definitely some things you can do um, to inspect it. You know, is it rusted? Um, is it wiggling in the hole? Um, the actually, the, the hanger that you clip, uh, that you put your carabiners into, um, if that's spinning, it doesn't actually mean that the bolt's unsafe. It just means it needs to be tightened a little bit. So, because sometimes a lot of folks coming outside, they'll see the, the hanger spinning and they're, they're like, oh, this is a horrible bolt. And they'll actually take the hanger off and then like leave it on the ground or <laughs> take it home or something. Um, but actually it just needs to be hand tightened or even just bring a little wrench and do like a, a soft tighten to it. So, right. but if the bolt's wiggling in the hole or rusted, that's not a good sign for sure. If there's a body on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> that's not a good sign either. Yeah. <laughs> Walk away. How did you already get on the wall? <laughs> um, okay. Um, I'm trying to think from there. I actually have a question. Now that it's in the Olympics, or it's going to be in the Olympics, has it changed how people are like prepping or Definitely. competing? Like what's, oh, yeah. what's changed now? Um, definitely a huge push for the promising youth competitors, I would say. Um, that's why indoor has become so popular now because it's created this really competitive environment for climbing and, and then the youth are just, they're excelling at it, right? They're agile and they're light and they're, you know, Darn them. they've got so much time on their hands and, um, but yeah, it's awesome. So you can definitely see now, um, there's just a huge, uh, like support from the climbing community to our, our youth right now and the, mm -hmm. the people that we think are the hopefuls for the Olympics. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Okay. So what is it going to look like at the Olympics? Is it outside? Is it inside? I have no idea. I don't know if it's going to be like outdoor walls, but they will be artificial walls Okay. for sure. And there's going to be, you have to uh, be the master at three components. So you have to compete in, um, speed you have to compete in lead difficulty. So that's when you're bringing the rope up with you. It's more endurance base. Um, and then you have to compete in bouldering, which is like short burst power. You know, you might only do like six moves, but they're really hard moves. Right. You fall on a pad. So you have to win at all of those or do really well at all of those to be the, the winner. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. The ultimate climber. Yeah, geez. <laughs> so what would training like for that look like? Yeah. everything it would have to be completely well-rounded like a lot of the um you know world cup competitors right now for bouldering or or lead stuff they're actually going and training all the speed climbing and so speed climbing it's always the same route so they can like copy paste that in gyms all over the world and then they'll just go and you know work on that speed climb and so oh. you see a lot of the world cup competitors now focusing on that which is something a lot of them didn't really care for before so, yeah, it's pretty cool. cool. So is it essentially going to become like swimming where 
it's all indoors and like swimming's basically the same every time. Um, but a lot of the top swimmers may not ever go outside. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Yep. And, and that's definitely a thing. (laughs) Yeah. Like a lot of these people have been climbing in the gym for years and years and they, you could say that if you put them on real rock, they could be some of the best climbers and in Canada, but they just haven't made the transition because they put their focus on indoor climbing. Mm. I find climbers tend to do one or the other, like they'll focus on either the competitive side or outdoor climbing. There's rarely ones that do both. Right. And what about, is there a governing governing body? Like there's the World Cups, so have they sort of taken on the lead then for the Olympics and stuff like that, and who's going? Yeah, I'm not sure how it works. I do know that they just held like some olympic kind of prep thing down south somewhere um but yeah like the world cup's always been like the you know competitive thing for climbing that you know that all aspire to so yeah i don't know how that's going to work if they're going to partner with the olympics or it'll be interesting bmx is in it too like freestyle yeah and so it's sort of i don't know if it's similar to rock climbing like there's been competitions but it's also sort of something that a lot of people just do and Mm -hmm. you know they go out and it's very freestyle right and their own pursuit or you know and i guess in the same way there's people making money in bmx or a career out of just being really good and traveling around and stuff right and Mm -hmm. more videos and everything else but now they're having to be organized and put into like a box that can be put on tv and Mm -hmm. there has to be a governing body and for females too it seems like um, there's going to be a really good opportunity because there hasn't been as much competition for females, but hmm. because it's equal, they have to send the same number, right? Exactly. So, yeah. So in the next year or so, it'll be interesting to see like as females like double and their efforts and like get into these parks and get support and stuff like that. Just like what will come of all of it yeah, and that's how cool. much the sport will change. Well, and that's how climbing's changed a lot in the last like five years or so is so many more women are doing it. Like really? Because oh, yeah. there's spots there. Like, I remember when I first started climbing, I was, like, one of the very few women yeah. out there. And now it's, like, there's ladies everywhere crushing. It's awesome. Yeah. It's really in all cool disciplines or in very focused in yeah. this Olympic sort of No, area. I would say in all disciplines now, there's there's a lot of women out there really giving her and, yeah. and performing at a really high level. It's awesome. Do you think that's because of the Olympics or do you think it's, like... It could be. Um, I think people just caught on that yeah. it's a sport that women can do just as well as men in and, and it's motivating and... Um, you know, and like the old school women inspired the youth and the youth have grown up now and they've inspired other youth and it's just kind of, you know, a chain effect and now there's mm-hmm. just tons of ladies doing it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Strength to weight sport, right? Yeah. So it's like, yeah. So we talked to you like two years ago, two and a half years now. It's been a while a since while. We, we did that first podcast with you. How has your training changed since then? Um... I pretty much don't train anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, you heard it here. Just stop training yeah, and you'll get better. Quit. I'm getting so much better. Um, no, well, I've, I've was started to focus on Pilates um, just to kind of like balance myself out. I'm getting a little older, so I started to notice that the, the wear and tear is starting to catch up to me. Um, this winter, getting injured um, kind of pushed me back to bouldering because it was a little less committing with my injuries. And it actually made me realize how I think that's a really, uh, as a root climber, you know, I usually do longer climbs, um, that focusing on more power strength focused climbing is actually making me a lot better too. So um, I'd say this year my focus is going to be kind of like nurturing that strength and power that I developed over the winter and balancing myself with Pilates and then just kind of letting the rock climbing happen naturally. I like that. Yeah. 
Nice. And then what about business-wise? What's new and exciting with with the guiding biz? Yeah, it's going awesome. On the Rocks uh, took off like crazy. I think my timing in the industry was bang on. Um, I've got a lot of really great employees now that I work with. We expanded to Milton region, so we now have courses in Rattlesnake. Cool. um, Which has been great as well. Uh, Yeah, things are good. Things are great with On the Rocks. And you're still able to balance the two you know, traveling for your climbing and then coming back and managing a business. Working <laughs> <Get> on it. <laughs> Guiding does not make you a better rock climber. Um, it usually, this winter actually, it was eye-opening. Every year I try to find this perfect balance between climbing hard and guiding, and I've never achieved it. I've tried something new every single year, and this year was like the kind of the icing on the cake. I uh, started off my fall season where I usually go climbing, and I didn't even want to climb because I guided so much all summer, I was burnt out, mm-hmm. and I just didn't even want to climb. So then I like rested and just took some time away from climbing for a bit, um, and then kind of resetting everything now. Like, how do I make both work? Yeah. So we're going to try again. <laughs> it's so funny how you have, like, I mean, it's, our lives or our business and stuff is sort of similar in that way. Like, you love it, and then it's, you know... I'm essentially out riding with people, but you don't really ride that much and it's not at your pace, exactly. right? Uh, and it's not about you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if your business is of any value, it's not about you, exactly. right? Um, but it's sort of like planning that. I don't know if you plan during the week. Like I try and think about my training and co- the course of the week and how that's lined up with other stuff, right? So try oh, and yeah. like Monday, Tuesday often is like the day I can actually get out and train for myself. So I have to be careful. Like Sunday often is race day, so then that sometimes, like, ruins my Monday-Tuesday blocks, right? You are talking my life right now. Yeah. Right, and then once you get into the week, it's just, like, it gets away, right? And yep. So it's I have to book to... blocks like that as well. Yeah. And I have to incorporate, like, a really good rest day before a day I want to push myself on the rock. Because yeah. otherwise, if I, like, guide and then try to go climb hard, it's, like, my hands are broken. And, yeah, it's just, like, a recipe for disaster. Yeah, and mental, too, right? Like, it's, it's yeah. all that. Yeah, yeah you get burnt out. So there's that, and then that's sort of like the micro cycle, and then the macro cycle is that like you can get away for a longer period, maybe in the winter, exactly, and sort of focus on that, right? And then on the same token, you may probably have to do like heavy guiding weeks, right? Like you yep. know whatever the heavy period is when people want to actually come and climb, right? That's just it. Like I think now I'm just focus on guiding in the summers and that's always how it's been like I, I don't really focus on climbing in the summer anymore, mm-hmm. um, and then winter's like my time to go and crush for sure and I think that's the only way it's gonna work honestly <laughs> oh, there's not much climbing going on here in the winter no so. exactly yeah definitely traveling for that <laughs> yeah get into the ice climbing or something yeah Thanks. so now as far as events what are are there any major like people can come and we'll link to your website and stuff as far as booking their own stuff but are you doing like anything in Ontario as far as events or big clinics or anything like that yeah so with rock respect stuff um we're trying to run uh just like information sessions at gyms so any way we can get the outreach you know so um I've got some sessions coming up at some gyms I got one at Rock Oasis on July 11th um the climbing festival coming up on the 24th first 22nd um of june of july oh this is the well. one that's at west uh no that's oh, here oh that's in here Beaver Valley. okay yeah gotcha. so that'll cool. be uh that's a great way if you just want to come and like kind of experience the climbing community coming out to that festival is a really great way um yeah and so those are kind of the the headline ones right now and then uh you know little things here and there Okay. But yeah, I've got a partner with Rock Respect and he's running some stuff with um, the Arcteric stores. 
uh, in Montreal. So he's going to be doing some stuff with them. And we okay. partnered with Arcteryx for this. So they, they, they're doing a lot of the outreach with us, which nice. is awesome. That's cool. So you're hitting social media, you use snail mail, and then you're getting to actual shops, and then you have Arteryx on board, so... Yeah, we're trying to hit... Covered a lot of that. Yeah, bases. we're trying to hit all the different places to get the outreach we can, we need. I like it. Now, since in the past two years, have there been any like new... I know the climbing festivals are big on like the movies and stuff like that. Are there any new movies or books or anything on climbing that you've been really excited about in the last couple of years that people should definitely watch or read? Um, I haven't read it yet, but I did hear that Tommy Caldwell's book is really good. The Push. Okay. Um, I've heard that's a good one. Uh, Sportiva always puts out some great little, like, free, you know, interesting climbing movies. Mm-hmm. Um, ones that you don't have to buy. There's the Real Rock Tour, which always has awesome videos, too. Um, yeah, those are the main ones I'd say to check out. Nice. And then what about any new favorite gear in the last couple of years? Any new mm. shoes, harnesses, climbing outfits, etc.? Oh, geez. Where do you want like to start? Like last time you were talking about like the yoke and some forearm stuff oh, and yeah, grip yeah. strength. Like so have you found anything new? There's a new hangboard that okay. I just started using. And actually I've never done finger training before like where you just hang yeah. on a, um, So there's one called the transgression board yeah. um, by Eva Lopez. She actually did her PhD on finger strength training. Oh, wow. Um, so all of her design and program is completely backed between, like, behind years and years of research. And is it, like, classic, like, above-the-door type setup? Yep, exactly. Yeah. And it's actually just, um, there's not, like, different holds. It's just um, a horizontal rail that gets smaller and smaller and smaller. So you build into the smaller hold. Like a vertical rail? Or... Like a rail 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 oh, it's like a la- it looks like a, a little tiny mini ladder, ladder okay but you're not like climbing a ladder you just hang from the holds yeah so like the hold could go from like you know to your second digit down to like you know barely even your fingertip right. kind of thing wow yeah so oh, i just started neat. with that yeah it's pretty cool and i i did it for four weeks uh over the winter when i tore my calf muscle and uh i noticed a huge improvement because i didn't climb at all and i was able to come back to climbing pretty easily and so, were you doing like just times like how did you like how did you start and you have to let go um so say you do like a 10 second hang but you have to make sure that you're letting go at like 80 percent effort so you never actually go to 100 percent because that's like risky um and it's crazy you do like the workout happens very quickly um doesn't really feel like crazy hard but then the next day you're like crap my hands yeah um so you got to be really careful with it for sure yeah there's a lot of uh like ligaments and tendons and that's i think why you're only pushing to 80 right it's like it's not a the muscular limitation it's like that's what you're hanging on yeah it's it's almost like programming from your brain too like what you can actually hold you know right yeah, it's interesting. But yeah, that's that's probably the newest tool. I still use the yoke too. Yeah. Do you? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, they look cool. I look at here or I see them every now and then too, just at different places. But, yeah. Um, yeah, it's really funny. Like I've been doing, I always have trouble with my ankles and feet, like when we're doing anything like running and stuff like that. So I've been playing around with just a center, like calf raises and, you know, going up on toes and stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think it's similar in a lot of ways. Like it doesn't, you'll feel a bit of burn in your calf, but then the next day it's like, Oh, really it's probably too much. <laughs> <laughs> right. So it's definitely like gradual progression. And like, like you say, like probably 80%, right? Like leave, yeah. leaving a few reps in the bed. That's what I think. Cause it's, it's easy to think that you need to go to like complete like meltdown ripping. burning. Yeah. Just rip know? the tendon and like and rip the not, ligament off the bone. It's yeah. almost like you should just try to fail with proper form and not go to that max. And I think yeah. you get better gains with anything. Yeah. yeah. I think we've said that about pretty much sport across the board. Yeah. 
Exactly. <laughs> Let's just leave that as the rule. Yeah, totally. Hmm. All right. Well, I think that's probably a good spot to leave it. I mean, I think we got the key information about Rock Respect and a little update from Leslie. And then hopefully everyone will go and, and see you at one of these events and festivals or store talks or anything else. Yeah. Awesome. The Consummate Athlete Podcast is part of the Wide Angle Podium Network. Supporting Wide Angle Podium gets you access to podcasts like ours and keeps your favorite shows on the air and constantly improving. You also get access to rad bonus content when you donate. Check out WideAnglePodium.com for show information, other Wide Angle Podium podcasts, and to become a donating member with awesome bonuses. You'll help support the Consummate Athlete Podcast, and every donation helps us keep improving the quality of the show. Again, that URL is wideanglepodium.com slash donate. Thanks for any support. Thanks so much for tuning into the Consummate Athlete Podcast. Uh, you can check out my stuff over at theoutdooredit.com or by following me on Instagram and Twitter at Molly J. Herford. And you can check out Peter's coaching, training plans, blogs, all that fun stuff over at smartathlete.ca or by following him on Twitter and Instagram at Peter Glassford. And if you want to support this show and other awesome podcasts, please check out wideanglepodium.com for show info, other podcasts, bonus content, and to become a donating member so you can get all of that rad behind-the-scenes content and help keep shows like this on the air. And lastly, if you're enjoying this podcast and all the information that we're bringing to you every single week, uh, do us a solid and pop into iTunes to leave us a rating and review. It takes you about two seconds. You can do it on your computer. You can do it on your phone. And it really helps us out. Thanks so much, and we will see you next week.